Welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further faster. On today's podcast, we'll explore what it takes to be a bold leader. Andy, you recently talked about bold leadership at this year's LeaderCast. What resonated with you about this topic? Well, before I answer that question, if it's okay for our podcast listeners, LeaderCast is an event that happens here every May. There's about 12,000 people in attendance. But the great thing about LeaderCast, LeaderCast is a distributed leadership conference, and it's distributed all over the world. In fact, many of our podcast listeners, I'm sure, tuned in or were at a site. There are sites all over the world. So what happens is the leadership team for the LeaderCast Day, which is just a day teaching on leadership, they develop a theme, they send me the theme, and they ask me if I would kick off the day talking about the theme. So the theme was the brave ones leading with boldness, the mm-hmm. brave ones leading with mm-hmm. boldness. And when I saw the theme, I immediately thought about um, leading with boldness. I thought about big personalities. But then as I thought about the theme, bold leadership, I realized that's not really what bold leadership is at all. In some ways, this was a theme with a twist, and that's why we decided to talk about it today on the podcast. Well, in your LeaderCast talk, you gave a great definition of bold leadership, but before we get to it, you also debunked a few myths about it. The the first myth you debunked is bold leadership is reserved for bold people. Yeah, when you hear the word bold, you think about a personality type, but bold leadership is certainly not reserved for extroverts. Um, introverted people do bold things all the time, as we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. Sometimes, sometimes extroverted leaders just talk a lot, you know? <laughs> so this is not about it. This, bold leadership is not about a personality type. The second myth you debunked is that bold leadership is reserved for fearless people. Yeah, as I said that day, all the fearless people are dead. You know, <laughs> everybody has fears, everybody has insecurities. This is not about overcoming fear so that you can do something great. This is about being committed to something great that drives you past your fears. Wow. Yeah. Well, the next myth was bold leadership requires a specific gift or talent. Yeah, again, when you hear the word bold, you think about super talented people, somebody who has a brilliance that becomes an industry or brilliance that becomes a company, but that's not the case at all. In fact, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, sometimes super talented leaders lean so heavily into their talent that they become the lid to their own leadership and the lid to the organization because everything is dependent on their talent. But leaders who do bold things are never dependent on an individual or an individual talent. So this is not about a super talented person or a super gifted person. And that goes hand in hand with the final myth you address, which is bold leadership is for the ultra smart or ultra resource. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't the case at all. And again, we've talked about this. Sometimes the smartest people in the room are the people who come up with all the reasons not to do something. Mm. It's uh, I tell people it's the B students who actually implement the good ideas because we're not quite smart enough to know that this won't work. So IQ is certainly an asset and being educated is certainly an asset. But some of the most extraordinary things that have been done in the world, both in the for-profit and the non-profit world, were not done by people who are straight-A students. That's not what bold leadership is all about. And in terms of resources, um, you rarely hear a story about a person who had so much money, they decided, I better come up with a good idea to invest this money in. Money follows vision. Money follows the big ideas. So being super resourced, being super smart, that's not what bold leadership is really all about. Well, Andy, as you spoke, instead of immediately giving your audience a definition of bold leadership, you gave them a great word picture. Yeah, when you think bold leadership, perhaps the thing to think about is a middle school girl in pursuit of an iPhone. 
It's a middle school girl. Everybody has an iPhone but her, and she's decided, I need to have an iPhone. A middle school girl in pursuit of an iPhone will display all the characteristics of a bold leader. Perhaps you should elaborate on that. Yeah, a middle school girl in pursuit of an iPhone. There's clarity, crystal clear picture of exactly what should be. I should have an iPhone. Focus, (laughs) focus. Homework can wait. In fact, everything can wait. I've got to have an iPhone. And the third word is stubborn. She is not going to take no for an answer. Now, we don't generally think of stubbornness as a virtue, but I love something I heard Tony Dungy say um, when you're actually at LeaderCast. He said, stubbornness is a virtue if you're right. (laughs) I thought that was great. And then the fourth thing, middle school girl in pursuit of an iPhone is resourceful. If mama won't buy it for her, she'll go to dad. If dad won't buy it for her, she's going to go to grandma, granddad, another set of grandparents, or somehow, some way, she is going to get what she is determined to get. So when we think about bold leaders, it's not about talent. It's not about resource. It's not about personality. It's about someone who knows that something needs to be done, and they are absolutely committed to seeing it happen. Well, that is a great, clear picture. Why don't you give us your definition then? Yeah, so bold leadership is clarity around and unreasonable commitment to what should be. It's clarity around and unreasonable commitment to what should be. You know, Lane, back in April, um, we got another snapshot of what bold leadership looks like in the midst of all the chaos following um, the tragic death in Baltimore and the rioting that ensued. Uh, you know, people were critical of the mayor. People were critical of the police. Uh, people were critical of just about everybody, the rioters. But nobody was critical of Toya Graham. I don't know if you remember this. Toya was the mother who saw her 16-year-old son, Michael, out there with all the rioters. I think he had a rock in his hand. He was about to do something stupid. And for those of you who saw the YouTube video, she marches herself right out into the middle of the street, yanked him out of the crowd, beat him over the head, and basically you know, saved her son from who knows what. And she immediately became a national icon, and people called her Mother of the Year. Yeah, if I and, remember, she she beat him pretty bad. I mean, she went after him. Yeah, when asked by Anderson Cooper if she was concerned about embarrassing her son or embarrassing herself, she said, not at all. She was there to get her child. She didn't, in other words, she was hyper-focused on one thing that had to be. And that really is what bold leadership is all about. Yeah, it's clarity, focus, stubbornness, and being resourceful. She was not going to be deterred. So if you don't get anything else out of this podcast, think about Toya, think about middle school girl in pursuit of an <laughs> iPhone, and basically those are the people that, have, that display those characteristics that change the world, that change industries, that get things done. Another great example that probably most of our listeners have never heard of is a guy named Larry Martinek. Larry um, was a Los Angeles math teacher. Um, He decided that kids should not hate math, and most of the kids that walked into his classroom absolutely hated math. And so he decided that should not be. Kids should not hate math, especially Mm -hmm. in a world where mathematics is what really makes the the economy go round to some extent. I mean, the degree to get if you want to be marketable in our current world is to be a mathematician. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be accounting or finance, but right now, you know, math is the name of the game. And so he decided, you know, if if this is critical to kids' futures, kids should not hate math. So he created his own approach to teaching math. He started with his son, Nick, at home. Then he brought this into the classroom. And then eventually he founded Mathnasium. Mathnasium Mm -hmm. has like over 500 centers in North America. They're in South America, Europe, 
even in some parts of the Middle East. So again, here's a guy. um, It wasn't his personality. It wasn't his talent. It wasn't his giftedness. It was a hyper focus on something that he knew this needs to change. He did something bold and has influenced thousands and thousands of kids' lives. Um, You know, we all know the story of Starbucks and Howard Schultz. He was convinced that the key to great coffee wasn't the coffee. (laughs) It was community. It was an experience. You know, people are looking at him like, no, no, it's coffee. You need to have better coffee. And he realized, nope, there's something different. There's an opportunity here. And so he staked his reputation and, uh, you know, a lot of resources on the idea of creating the Starbucks experience. And Mm. now everybody, for for most of us, we think, well, that's just common sense. But once upon a time, that was not common sense. That was right. a bold idea that he fully committed to and engaged with. So that that's the idea of bold leadership. Well, Andy, as you talked about bold leadership, you, you made a great statement. You said that bold leaders refuse to be cowed by how. Yeah, cowed by how. And we've talked about this a, li- a little bit in the past, that how, the word how, can kill a great idea before mm-hmm. it ever gets started. And, you know, When new ideas are introduced to a leadership team, when new ideas are introduced to investors, immediately the people in the room, especially sometimes the the accountants in the room or um, the managers in the room kind of go toward, but how, but how, but how. But great leaders do not allow, or bold leaders, I I should say, do not allow the word how to stop them. Now, there's a lot of takeaways from this idea, especially when you think about the people who are in your organization who come up with what you may think are crazy ideas. They may actually be the ideas that are going to change the world. And if you ask the question how too soon, you can either kill an idea Hmm. or worse, you drive a great idea right out of your organization. You actually gave a great example of that happening with, I think, the Handy Dan Home Improvement Centers. Yeah. Handy Dan Home Improvement Centers, probably most of you have never heard. They were actually one of the first home improvement retail chains, but they shut their doors in 1989, Mm. just a few years after firing Bernie Marcus and Arthur Blank, who went on to found... (laughs) The Home Depot. So imagine, you know, sitting around with the board of directors looking at each other going, what? Because, again, um, you know, Bernie and Arthur, not that we're on a first name basis, you know, they had a vision for big box retail that right. went beyond the vision and the ideas, um, you know, w- with with Handy Dan. And I'm cer- certainly there's more to the story than just that. But essentially, these were two employees. These are two high capacity guys that left because for whatever reason, there were just too many hows as it related to some of their ideas. So again, uh, you know, whether it's my idea as a point leader or someone else's idea within the organization, we need to be very, very careful with the word how, lest we lose an opportunity or lose a great leader. Andy, actually, in your talk, you had people say something instead of how. Oh, yeah. I had the whole audience practicing wow not how. <laughs> wow, not how. And I, I said to the women in the room, hey, when your husband comes home with that crazy idea, don't say how, say wow. And <laughs> when your wives have some new thing they want to do, just say wow, not how. And in our leadership team meetings, our management team meetings, you know, let's go wow before how, lest we lose an opportunity. Or again, unless we lose somebody who's really come up with something we're just not smart enough because, or we're too smart to see might be the next great thing. Andy, those are great examples of bold leadership, and I hate to move to a how, but how does a leader discover what should be? Yeah, because this is about clarity around and a stubbornness or a commitment to what should be. Mm-hmm. And this is the challenge because we're all busy. We all have you know a dozen ideas. 
we all have a hunch that something may be the next thing, but who's got time to focus on it? So what I want to do today is I want to leave you with really just two questions. And I think if a leader or a leadership team will bring these two questions and keep them front and center, it will always keep us leaning out beyond what is to perhaps what should be. One is a head question and one is a heart question. Mm. Um, the first question, actually, I bumped into back in the early 90s when I read Joel Barker's book called Paradigm. It was actually originally published as Future Edge. It was republished as Paradigms. And in the book, about halfway through, he states this question that has been hanging in each of my offices ever since. And here's the question. This is a breadcrumb question. This is a question that I think has the potential to lead leaders to that thing that they need to give themselves to. And here's the question. He said, he writes, what do I believe is impossible to do in my field, but if it could be done, would fundamentally change my business. Mm. What do I believe is impossible to do in my field, but if it could be done, would fundamentally change my business? When I read that question, I knew exactly what that was for our business, and this is mm-hmm. back in 1991 or 1992. And again, I thought that that is the question that can't ever go away because there's something that is a lid to an industry, a business, a franchise, a, a small business, whatever it might be, But whoever figures that out first or whoever answers that question or solves that problem first becomes an industry leader. Mm. And so he says, hey, every industry, every business, every company needs to know what is that thing that if we could solve this, it would change not some things but perhaps change everything. And the reason every leader needs to know the answer to the question, and I don't mean the the solution to the problem, but the answer to the question, what is the thing that everybody thinks is impossible to do, but if it was done, would change everything? The reason we all need to have an answer to that question is, first of all, you may solve it, or somebody in your organization may solve it. But maybe more importantly, if you know what that question is, you and I, we will be more sensitive to the people that we hear about who are trying to solve it. Mm. Because the, the next best thing to solving the thing that changes an industry is knowing who has solved the problem. Mm. You know, you don't have to be number one, but to be an early adopter of a really, really good idea right. um, is almost as good as solving the problem. In fact, sometimes the people who are second, third iterations of a great idea own an industry because – they're not the ones that wasted a lot of money on a lot of things that, that didn't work. So, again, keeping this, this question front and center is extremely important. Andy, you said that when you first read that question, you immediately knew what it was in your field. Yeah. In, in our industry, if we can think of church as an industry, the problem was growing churches, large churches were always led by somebody who was a gifted speaker and a gifted leader. The problem in church world, if you're a gifted leader, but you can't hold people's attention for 20 to 30 minutes in a row, the church isn't going to grow. At the same time, there are a lot of great communicators who just aren't good leaders, so the organization is poorly led. But great churches, when I say great, I mean growing large churches, um, when you looked at the point leader, they were a really, really good leader and a really good speaker. Well, the problem is that's a limit to – creating or growing great churches because you're limited to finding an individual who has both of those talents or gifts. So I remember years and years ago saying to John Maxwell, John, have you ever heard about a great church that was led by someone who was a great leader, but they didn't do the speaking, they didn't do the preaching? And he said, I I, I just don't know of anything like that because, again, this was the problem. So – I knew this early on. This, this, you know, how do we create great churches without finding people who have that specific gift set? If you could solve that problem, 
you know, the world changes. Mm. So years ago, we stumbled upon the idea of doing multi-site with video. So we distributed our teaching through video, created churches, and we were able to find great leaders um, like Gavin Adams, who's been on our podcast, Jeff Henderson, who's been on our podcast, Clay Scroggins, who's been on our podcast. We found these great leaders who are also developing communicators, but we were able to leverage their leadership gift in a church, but they, we didn't have to depend on them for doing all the communication, and they didn't want to do all the communication. Right. So once we were able to solve the problem of dividing the leadership piece from the communication piece, our world changed. And now there are multi-site churches all over the country. Now, were we the first ones? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. But we were working on this problem early on. Right. And the early adopters of this strategy have benefited greatly in terms of, of creating large, growing churches. So the point of all that is knowing what that problem that needs to be solved is, is one thing. Keeping it front and center and having everyone on the lookout, both internally and externally, is extremely important for leadership. And it is a breadcrumb question that may lead to the thing that gives a leader an opportunity to become a bold leader to do something bold. Now, that that's our industry. But again, a well-known illustration of this is, is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs understood what was impossible to do in his industry, but if anyone ever figured it out, it would change everything. So when he walked back into Apple in 1997, he did not announce we're going to build faster computers because that wasn't the breakthrough idea. He didn't announce we're going to build smaller computers or lighter computers or shinier computers. He said, we are going to make computers that are easy to use. Mm. He knew that the thing that held back the PC market was they were just clunky. They were just hard to use. So he shifted the focus of the Apple and the focus of their resources to figuring out how do we make it easy to use. And sure enough, that changed everything. So in every industry, but I think even to some extent, maybe in departments, divisions of organizations, there's the, you know, there's something that right now everyone thinks, oh, that's impossible to do. But if we ever figured that out, everything changes. Well, Andy, you said there were two questions. One was a head question. One was a heart question. What's the heart question? Yeah, the second question is a heart question because the second question is what breaks your heart? Mm. What breaks your heart? Every significant nonprofit and most social movements began with a brokenhearted leader, someone who saw something that needed to be fixed, something that needed to be solved, and it just got hold of them, and they just could not change the channel. You know, they just couldn't walk away from it. I mean, again, you think about um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in Boston. He's teaching. He's got a great job. He's up in the Northeast. Everything's great, but his heart is broken over what's happening in the South. Um, with African-American men and women and children, and he just has to come south. And again, our world changed. Um, world Vision, the story of Bob Pierce helping one child in one country with his last five dollars, mm. and it broke his heart about what was happening with children in poverty. And now, you know, World Vision impacts like four million children in over a hundred countries. Um, Linda and Miller Fuller, who founded Habitat for Humanity, they just they thought, you know, people should have better living conditions. Poor people deserve a great pe- place to live and grab their heart. But the whole idea of what breaks your heart is not reserved for the nonprofit world or mm. for the, you know, addressing social issues in society. Um, some of our podcast listeners are certainly familiar with, with the name Blake McCoskey. Um, Blake was a young entrepreneur who was <laughs> actually vacationing in Argentina and uh, saw the effects of kids going barefoot, um, asked some questions and realized that kids going barefoot, it, it, re- it leads to all kinds of problems, even mm. into adulthood. 
came home and created a for-profit shoe company, would eventually become known as Tom's. And we're all familiar with Tom's Shoes. And then in addition, that led to this whole idea of a one-for-one business model where every time someone buys a pair of shoes, they give away a pair of shoes. Well, in 2014, um, Blake sold half the company, and it was valued at $625 million. So here's a large for-profit company that was birthed from basically a question of what breaks your heart. Andy, I know that, that your wife, Sandra, has a real, just a different way of asking the same question. Yeah, several months ago, we were, Sandra and I were talking about what breaks our hearts, what breaks her heart. And she said, you know what? I know what I would like people to line up and thank me for at the end of my life. Mm-hmm. So another way of asking the question is, what would you like people to line up and thank you for at the end of your life? Uh-huh. If you have an answer to that question, that's a breadcrumb question that may lead you to the thing that establishes you as a bold leader. So Andy, as we wrap this up, again, I want to give the definition to our listeners that bold leadership is clarity around an unreasonable commitment to what should be. Any final thoughts on that? I would just say this. I would imagine for um, a few of our podcast listeners, they have a hunch of what it is. It, it, they, it's that thing that's broken their heart. It's that idea that they think might be a breakthrough idea. They have clarity And maybe you're listening today, the thing that you lack, you just haven't committed. You Mm -hmm. just have not decided, I'm going to be stubborn about this. I'm going to be unreasonable about this. I'm going to lend and bend more of my time toward this one thing in order to see it happen. You may be in a situation where you continue to allow your organization to conspire against you or your calendar to conspire against you. Because organizations, as we've said before, organizations are organized to do what they're organized to do. Mm. So organizations do what they're organized to do. So consequently, an organization can actually be in the way of the thing that would be the breakthrough idea for the organization. Mm. So leaders, at some point, we just have to get stubborn. So if you know what that is, you just have to make some tough decisions as it relates to your time, your schedule, and perhaps resources. But for those of us, for most of us who perhaps don't know what that thing is, these two breadcrumb questions are extremely important. So writing them down, keeping them front and center, in some cases discussing them with our leadership teams, it may lead us to the thing that changes everything. But even if it doesn't, it will sensitize us to the people who, again, are breaking some of the rules, working around the edges that are on the verge of answering the question that perhaps we might never be able to answer, but we will certainly be able to take advantage of once someone else answers it. And to our podcast listeners, if all else fails, just channel your inner middle school girl in pursuit of an iPhone. Well, Andy, thanks so much for your time today. And to all our listeners, thank you for listening. To hear more from Andy on leadership, please visit andystanley.com. 